You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz is here with me talking Michigan's 41-17 to win over Penn State. Another top 10 win, another home blowout of the Nittany Lions and the Wolverines. I think this is their best game of the year. I think this was better than their prior Big Ten wins, uh, even though a couple of them were on the road. I think this was a, a true statement. A statement win for Michigan, continuing, I guess, a trend of the last two years. They're now 19-2 and in the last two seasons. They have a lot of double-digit wins, a lot of road wins, a lot of ranked wins. They're starting to add up in in that two-year stretch. Just more physicality, more dominance. We'll talk about both sides of the ball. But, Steve, we have to start with this rushing attack. 418 yards rushing. And I had kind of teased before the game. I thought Penn State's rushing defense or run defense was a little untested, had not really faced anybody, had not faced anyone nearly as physical as Michigan. In fact, that was one of my keys was just run physical because you probably will be able to. I did not see 418 yards coming. Uh, you know, I think Blake Corum looked a lot like what we've seen from Blake Corum, but I thought something big was, was Donovan Edwards, kind of ha- having a career game, career high in rushing yards, you know, got, got, got a few breakaway plays as well really started to to look like I guess what we expected Donovan Edwards to look like this season you know with the injury working his way back from the injury there were a few he started out a little quieter than expected this season I I don't think anyone expected Blake Corum to have 30 carries 29 carries 25 carries 25 carries and so now Edwards is starting to step in and emerge as, as maybe not a 1b but a very high level number two running back for the Wolverines. I thought that was very important. And I thought the offensive line looked like the best offensive line in the country. You know, they talked about it before the season. They felt like this year's offensive line would be better. It did not look the part in September. It started started to see progress in October against Iowa and Indiana. Uh, but then I, th- I, th- I think this Penn State game really puts Michigan in that Joe Moore Award driver's seat. I don't watch every game in the country, but you know, with the games that I've peaked at the holes Michigan was creating on Saturday against a defense that, that maybe is a little small up front, but they're not bad. They're an athletic secondary. They have athletic linebackers. I think they're going to stop other rushing attacks this season, but the holes Michigan were creating, you know, Steve, you and I were in the, in the press box kind of joking. Like we probably could have gotten three yards out of that. one. <laughs> like, you know, that those are red zone carries too. And so I, I just really, I mean, this is a rushing attack that that Michigan's going to be able to lean on all season. You know, as they make a college football playoff push, as they try to capture a second straight Big Ten title. You know, and I thought I thought the quote that JJ McCarthy had after the game, where he said, "You know, teams winning national championships are not air raid offenses. Like you have to dominate in the trenches. You have to be 
a physical offense. You don't have to be run first, thinking about Ohio State, Alabama, but you do have to have a very serviceable and dominant rushing attack when you need it because because ultimately that's how you beat those teams too. Very rarely do those teams win, even though the receivers and the quarterback get all the the awards and the the, the draft picks and um, all the attention. They also dominate up front, and Michigan really dominates up front. I came away very impressed with the offensive line, very impressed with the rushing attack, and and ultimately, it's one of those games that Michigan was so good. Penn State has to rethink everything now. You know, this was this was a true obliteration of Penn State's defense. Don't think the the cornerbacks necessarily had bad games for the Nittany Lions, but everyone else did. And ultimately, Michigan just punched Penn State in the mouth again and again and again. And and I think the score could have been even more lopsided. Steve, what were your what were your kind of main takeaways from Michigan's offensive performance Saturday? Well, for, I'm kicking myself for not picking a bigger, like more of a blowout because I you could kind of foresee this a little bit. I think um, again, not necessarily the way it happened, but for whatever reason, uh, Michigan always seems to seems to win the trench battle against Penn State on both sides of the football. They did that again yesterday. Talk about Donovan Edwards. I'm kind of wondering if we we just kind of watched his his true breakout game uh, develop throughout the course of yesterday's game. Because you remember early, he had a few carries. I think he missed a couple holes, looked a little indecisive, and then I don't know what happened. Uh, but all of a sudden, you know, he was finding seams. And, uh, you know, just like Corum, he's different than Corum, not as slippery, uh, but another guy that when he gets to the second level, very difficult to contain, very difficult to stop. So, you know, because really to this point in his career, his biggest plays have really almost been in the passing game, uh, <laughs> catching the ball, but even the throw against Iowa. I mean, you know, he's he's had some good ball. He's had some good games rushing the football, but not like on the big stage necessarily. So I think. I think his game, you know, Blake Corum, I think at this point we can just say, Blake, he's kind of doing almost what we expect him to do to an extent. Uh, But with Edward, I think this was a much more significant game for Michigan down the road because of Edward's ability uh, between the tackles and in the running game. Because we know what he can do in the passing game. If these guys, if if both of them become capable assets – uh, protecting the quarterback in the passing game, then then I really think Michigan could have both of these guys on the field on a more consistent basis than they already do, you know. And so we we've talked a little bit about how dangerous Edwards is for defenses. They they split him out. Uh, they ran him out of the backfield. That little release play where he was wide open. Uh, just you know, a lot of different ways they can utilize him. But yesterday was really huge because he he had his best game as like a, an actual running back. So um, and looked good doing it. Yeah, I mean, Michigan's offensive line looked looked excellent. I, it's always impressive when you do things to teams that you're not really supposed to do, uh, you know. But I, I credit to you for the being able to kind of at least at least illustrate it was possible for Michigan to have some rushing success in this game because I think most people thought if Michigan's going to win this game, it's going to be on McCarthy's arm. I think we compared it to the Ohio State game a little bit last year, where the stats were good, but there were still some some question marks if you dug a little bit into it. I mean, Michigan really made those question marks huge uh, for Penn State. So, yeah, I mean, can't be much more impressed with it. It's not that it could have easily been a bigger blow. It really should have should have been. 
three field goals inside the 10 yard line, fluke interception return for a touchdown for Penn State. Uh, one, maybe, I guess the pass down the, down the, uh, down the field was a, a big play, but like really basically two big offensive plays was all Penn State had yesterday. So really just a, the type of performance you want going into a bye week with Michigan State coming to town the week after. I mean, this Michigan's got to be feeling really good where they stand, uh, you know, heading into get. I think, I think it's the point. Sometimes you, you, I mean, a bye week's always good, but like they'll really get, these guys will be rested up, particularly a guy like Coram. He had 20 carries in the first half. They were able to lower the workload a little bit in the second when, when Edwards sort of took over, but still, I mean, you know, Coram's had a lot of, taken a lot of carries, a lot of hits so far this year. I think the, the bye week will be huge for him. Um, but I think Michigan leaves uh, the field yesterday with just as much confidence as they possibly could on both sides of the ball. Yeah, they do. And we can switch over to the defensive side. I mean, you kind of illustrated it. There were two plays Penn State had that totaled 110 yards. The other 49 plays that the Nittany Lions ran went for 157 yards. I mean, that's that's it. That's three yards of play. That's nothing. They had 10 first downs the entire game on nine drives. I mean, that's almost averaging, you know, a very quick drive where you punt. Um, Penn State, I thought, thought really their run game was completely wiped out. I know it's not like their staple, but they, they've put up good rushing numbers this year. You know, thinking about how Penn State beat Auburn, um, you know, how Penn State beat Northwestern, and and really, I mean, it was a complimentary part of their game in their win over Purdue. But Nick Singleton and Catron Allen combined for 35 yards on 12 carries. They were trailing, so it's not like they were trying to run a ton, but really just couldn't couldn't do anything in the run game. And then in the pass game, I, I thought they, you know, there there were I guess a couple plays. I don't think that Michigan got quite as many sacks as it could have. I thought Sean Clifford did a really nice job. We were kind of talking about it, like he's. He's almost like a like an NFL veteran, where if he sees two rushers, you know, he just he just puts the ball on the ground right away. He just throws her away right away. He doesn't even try to make make something happen. That's that's what that's what you get when you've played in front of Penn State's offensive line for a few years, I guess. You know, there were, but it, but it did help avoid sacks and and you know maybe some true momentum changing plays. But Penn State didn't really do a ton in the passing game either. And I think the two players that I kind of circled as the most dangerous for Michigan were Parker Washington, Brenton Strange. They combined for four catches, 42 yards on nine targets. I mean, that's can't do a ton better than that. Not not with how much Penn State was was throwing the ball. So really came away impressed with the defense. Thought thought Mike Sainer still continues to look like such an X factor for this defense. I mean, this was someone who who definitely was was valuable and, and valued entering the season. But, you know, I, I really was impressed. It, it almost seemed like he was the guy that was able to stop Michigan from getting caught out of position or in a bad formation. There was really just one time pre-snap where I was like, oh, I, I think Michigan's in the in bad positioning here. Or I think they Penn State's kind of got the matchup advantage here. And it was that 48-yard completion. You know, because Penn State likes to you know, put guys in motion, do different formations. You know, they like to substitute a lot, try to do the, you know, the classic like Saquon Barkley on, on Mike McRae kind of situation where, where Michigan misses on one substitution or, or does something wrong and, and suddenly Penn State goes off for a 40-yard play. Really only happened once 
in the passing game. And, and I think Mike Sainer still had a lot to do with that. You know, that he was someone that I think he was just pretty much on Washington all game, you know, whether wherever Washington went, he went too. And I thought, thought he did a really nice job in coverage, but also continuing to see him providing support near the line of scrimmage in the run game too. So uh, he was someone that really, really jumped out to me. Steve, what are some of your biggest takeaways from Michigan's defense? Uh, I think I wrote after the game, and I think the defensive front is is particularly where it stands out. Is you know we talk about Michigan's been really good in the second half this year, and it's really starting to feel like the depth up front is starting to kind of really shine. Um, but Taylor Upshaw had one of his best games of his Michigan career yesterday. Uh, it's just that they have a constant rotation of guys coming in. Uh, we talk a lot about you know, that they, they have different, they have enough different types of guys to create different mismatches and, and, and really almost kind of dictate the game. You know, normally an offense wants to kind of try to dictate, you know, the defense has to react. I think a couple plays, you know, that third down play where Michigan was, was totally off the line on the left-hand side had, had Harrell way off on the edge. That's Michigan dictating you know, that, that, to me, that was at that point, I think this game's over. I mean, Michigan is basically daring Penn State to go attack that right hand, that right side. It just felt like Michigan's defense yesterday was was in control throughout. Um, but yeah, I think it's that depth. And, and they didn't. I think I saw there was a couple of people complaining that Michigan wasn't getting home enough. And, and I even maybe mentioned it during the game. But on, on rewatch, I think Michigan definitely did enough to get. Penn State's quarterbacks uncomfortable in the pocket. A lot of poor throws, particularly from Clifford. I don't know, Aller had a couple, but he wasn't in that long. Um, you know, just just again, really just kind of a dominant performance. This the statistics for Michigan defensively are are really starting to look more and more impressive, you know, and and really I think statistically so far better than last year's defense was at this time. So yeah, I mean. It really is like pick your poison. I think yesterday during the game, we're in the box talking about you. We really hadn't seen a ton of RJ Moten. Then he comes in, basically sheds an offensive lineman and and gets a sack. I mean, it's just like there's so many guys that seem to kind of uh, step up or or are making plays. Mike Sainer still is another one. I think we we pointed out a couple times during the game yesterday. Excellent defense on that fourth down. you know, basically forcing the quarterback to have to make the perfect pass in that situation, you know, and then Will Johnson comes in uh, when Jamon Green was down for a little bit. I think, I think that hit is what put Clifford out of the game. Uh, I I think we'd have to go back and look, but I think it was that. I'm pretty sure it was right. Yeah. Yeah. So there's so many different guys that have kind of contributed so far this year for Michigan. And that is only a good thing as the season continues, because like I said, particularly up front, you know, I, I, a guy like Taylor Upshaw stepping up and having such a huge game in the fourth quarter yesterday, I think is just is huge because we're getting the point now where we're talking about Oki. Mike Morris is kind of that guy I think we can just count on playing a really good game every weekend and week out. I think he's kind of figured it out. Um, but seeing other vets and, and Derek Moore's maturation continues. I mean, he got a lot of big time snaps yesterday. So um, and then the other thing, too, you know, it is going to be fascinating to see if teams are going to be successfully able to run the football with Smith and Jenkins in the middle, because once again, they, they were both 
uh, dominant in the middle. You know, I think between Smith, Jenkins, and Harrell, you have three. I don't know if elite might be going too far for all three of them, but really close. Harrell's another guy. Was kind of a really sort of a, a, a an edge run defender specialist, uh, but but he's kind of he's developed more of an all around game too. You know, and now Michigan can kind of keep him out on the field a little bit more than they maybe normally would have. So, yeah, it is. It's it's pick your poison right now. Mozzie uh, Smith did a great job in the pass rush aspect yesterday too. Had a couple nice pressures, uh, you know, caused some problems. So. Yeah, overall, I mean, yeah, both sides of the ball were really clicking yesterday, uh, really for four quarters. I know they were down, but, you know, defense obviously didn't give up the pick six, and you, know, you had that one one broken play pretty much that that was, what, 80% of Penn State's offense in the first half was that that one run, you know, so. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so just can't help but be really impressed with – not just the overall performance as a unit, but just that it's it's not one or two guys that are like making every big play. It's it's a it's a wide array of players who are who are you know making an impact. Yeah, I, I really agree. I, I I think it's natural to overlook when defensive tackles do well because it, it never or rarely looks amazing in the box score. But yeah, Mozzie Smith, Chris Jenkins continuing to be um, just ultimate run stoppers among the best in the Big Ten at their position and stopping the run and. And now Michigan is number six in the country in run defense. I, I predicted before the season they would finish top five. And so they're starting to get to get up there. And based on who they're playing in the next few weeks, I, I think they'll end up being ranked even higher. Now, I kind of agree, even if a team gets is run heavy, like thinking like an Illinois or an Ohio State, they're not going to be able to have a comfortable day rushing the ball, particularly against those two, the way Junior Colson attacks the run game. The way the defensive backs are, I think Michigan's got among the better run-stopping defensive backs in the country. We're going to hit a quick break, talk, and then on the other side, we'll talk a little bit about what this all means, kind of the big-picture impact of such a dominant top-10 win. You're listening to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, and we're back. Thanks for waiting. So, Steve, I uh, I was kind of thinking about it yesterday, reading some of the message board, and, and you know, it's not. It wasn't a flawless game it was pretty darn close but I think you mentioned three field goals inside the 10 Michigan uh, really among the highest most red zone field goals in the country at this point so that's that's one area to improve Uh, you know the passing game was quiet it wasn't zero touchdowns what 155 yards passing so 
I kind of joked in, in my writing, it was, it was Penn State's job to make Michigan pass by doing literally anything to stop the run. And they didn't. 145 yards passing, excuse me. So I, I, I'm not particularly concerned about either because the score is the score. But I do think there were some plays, there were some decisions, and there were some yards and there were some points left on the field where Michigan really could have hit, I guess, full speed. I don't think it will be a concern for the next month. But I think with Michigan being ranked in the top four or top five, I think I think Michigan fans can start to look at some of the concerns like an Alabama fan base would. Because Alabama, I mean, they, they, they had issues with penalties. They had issues with special teams. The offense wasn't really, it seemed to be putting too much on Bryce Young. There were some defensive coverage issues before Saturday. And then they lose. Right. So it's, so it's like when you play the top five team or top six team on the road, some of those little things you might be concerned about can become big things. Anything jump out to you, Steve, in terms of what Michigan entering this bye week, probably going to be favored by double digits for the next four games you know, until, until they play Ohio State. But anything jump out to you as, hey, Michigan might want to correct this or work on this or iron this out with this extra week of practice. I mean, the biggest thing to me, you know, I, I, I don't know, maybe they're just, maybe they don't believe it's a high percentage play. I, I don't know why they're not at least throwing a couple fades up in the end zone, you know, whether it's Anthony, even Cornelius Johnson, even Ronnie Bell, I guess, uh, if the, if the matchup is right, you know, I just, things get, things have felt a little compact in the red zone for them. And, and to me, it's, it's, of course you you want to run the plays that work, but I, I think even having a guy split out and running that, running a couple fades in the corner uh, will at least have to make the, the back seven or back four, at least like watch for it, you know, and it, it's so, you know, yeah. I mean, if there's one major, like a major criticism or, or mid-level criticism, I, I think it's just things feel a little too compact in the red zone. Uh, you know, and Michigan has enough weapons at receiver and tight end where I think they should there should be a little bit more. I don't I, like I don't want to say creativity because I don't you know, um, but just more of a variety, you know, because it, it's. That was one thing. Yeah, this, they could have put up 63. It feels like teams are sniffing out some of those oh, run plays. A little bit, yeah. And and it feels like, you know, that's a game that they could have put up 63 points yesterday, you know, if they had any red zone success. So, yeah, I just that I guess that's probably the, the biggest thing that stands out to me. Um, would be interested to go back and watch, as you said, like uh, – Penn State's running backs didn't do anything in the in the run game or the passing game, and Penn State's tight ends didn't made little to no impact yesterday too. So interested to see on rewatch if the how the linebackers looked, you know, because that's been the one real big thing defensively we've been kind of waiting for is is a team going to ex- exploit what has appeared to be an inconsistent level of play in pass coverage from those linebackers. So. That's the other thing, but, but yeah, really offensively to me, it's just, yeah. And I agree. I think that's a great point uh, uh, that you, I think it's the point now where, yeah, you can be a little more, we can be a little, we can put the magnifying glass up a little bit closer because I think, yeah, the expectations on a week to week basis for Michigan uh, should be higher at this point. So 
you can be a little bit nitpicky because, you know, this is a team that now is, is fully uh, controls their destiny to go back to the playoffs again and win another big 10 championship. So, yeah, I mean, to me though, red zone for sure, particularly in the passing game. And honestly, I guess, and, and it feels like I can complain about this every week. Uh, I just think they need to find Andrew Anthony a little bit more than they do period. I, I, I understand they're talented enough across the board where, you know, I don't think, Outside, I guess Bell is probably the guy, and maybe Wilson when he's 100. percent But you know, you're not going to have a guy that's that's getting eight or nine grabs every game. But I just think that he he even gives them something a little bit different than those three guys give them. And uh, you know, just they haven't really pushed for him much in the passing game so far. So again, that that's more of a really kind of grasping at straws type thing, but. But still, uh, just would maybe like to see him utilize a little bit more in the passing game. I think that's fair. I mean, I, I'd have to look at the the numbers. He has six receptions this year. He had 12 last season. Yeah, I mean, he has 18 receptions. And against Michigan State last year, he had six of them in his career. He had 155 yards in that game. In his career, he has 321. So just under half of his overall production came just against you know his hometown team. Which, which was valuable for Michigan at the time, but yeah, you you are. I am curious to see. I mean, this was someone who coaches, players, insider sources were really pushing him as as kind of this next great Michigan receiver. And I, I don't think that that is necessarily wrong because he's off to a quiet start this season. But when you hear about how comfortable JJ, you know, all the practices him and Donovan Edwards and Andrew Anthony did together when they were freshmen kind of behind the scenes, you almost wonder if, is this someone that could, that could help McCarthy deep, deep ball passing game develop if they can get him involved on either some fades or some posts or just finding it, giving him a chance to create separation and make contested catches downfield. Cause that that's probably his biggest strength right now. I think he's, he's a pretty versatile athlete, but I think he's probably Michigan's next great deep ball threat you know if if he continues on his trajectory so maybe he's an answer to some of those red zone issues or some of those deep ball passing issues and then the other thing with the red zone if they don't want to do the fades I think that's fine I think they can live with that but we saw last season toward the end of the year the red zone efficiency really picked up this was a this was really how Jake Moody won the Luke Groza award last year was a lot of red zone stalls so he ended up just knocking kind of like yesterday just automatic field goals uh, in the red zone, helping, helping pad his stats. And then you saw toward the end of the season, they didn't really need him anymore because the red zone was working. And I felt like last season, a lot of it, Hassan Haskins helps, no doubt. But I think back to like against Ohio state when they had AJ Henning take that carry kind of around the outside. I mean, they, you know, they have speed and, and a, a multitude of athletes that they can put a lot of guys in motion or in the backfield, kind of, kind of have them work around the field and, and just see what's, what's sticking in, in an opponent's defense. You know, it doesn't have to be fades, but I, I do think you have to, if you're not going to do fades, if you're not going to, you know, try to chuck it in there in the, in the very corner of the end zone, I, I do think Michigan's too talented to just kind of do run, run, incomplete pass, kick a field goal in the red zone. You know, they have players that they can, they can make plays in the backfield. They have players that can make plays in the flats in the screen game. I think you saw against Indiana that that actually did help them 
toward the end of the game. They had a couple of red zone screens that I think both of them scored touchdowns. So it's there. I, I'm not overly concerned about it just because I think that it's a long season. They're going to have an opportunity to try things out. But I do think that's something I'll probably keep watching every week. I think that was my takeaway. I'm keeping an eye on it. I'm not concerned about it for Michigan, but I am kind of circling it and putting it under the magnifying glass, so to speak, because at some point, whether it's Ohio State or a postseason game, perhaps a championship game, if they get stalled three times in the red zone in the first half, the other team might take a bigger lead than one point, and they might have more ammunition on their roster to, to hold on to a lead or really take a lead. Or maybe you have two bad bounces that go against you. So it's something to, something to keep an eye on, I think. Last, last question for you, Steve. I guess a little bit of your just final overall thoughts, but I, I couldn't help but notice in the press conference. I felt like that was a very good example. I would encourage fans to go either read our quotes over at the michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. I think MGO Blue provides full video. We're only allowed to do a couple minutes of video each time. But, boy, this this team really seems to have that culture down. And, and culture is a very overused term in sports, so I'll define it here. I think this team plays and wins and works the Jim Harbaugh way. Everything I, I, I've gotten to know about Jim Harbaugh and his time co- coaching Michigan, you know, this is someone who he needs people who really love the grind of football. They love the work. They love the contact. They love the physicality. They love kind of the thankless approach. I mean, if you think about it, football has a higher practice to game ratio than just about any sport. Not it's higher than baseball who might play three or four games in a weekend. It's higher than basketball who play three games a week. I mean, it really is hard practice, hard practice, hard practice, walk through, and then you get your game. And so I think Jim Harbaugh, he, he needs, because I, I think he's a pretty, he's a coach with high expectations and, and high demand for what you're doing in practice and in the off season. And so I think he's always needed a team that really loves the work leading up to the game as much as the actual game themselves. And that press conference yesterday, that really shined through for me. You know, hearing them immediately talk about Michigan State, and I get that it's a rivalry game, and and you know they're hungry for revenge and all that, but I think that's true in other situations too. I don't think this is a team that's looking forward to kicking it back for a few days for the bye week. You know, this feels like a team that's as locked in, if not more locked in, than last season's team from a showing it in practice and then showing it in game standpoint. I think there's, and then the other thing, I think there's just so much positivity and I think JJ McCarthy has a lot to do with that. Um, But I I think Blake Corum does too. He's a very smiley, positive guy. Um, You know, I think Mozzie Smith, Junior Colson, you could probably keep going down the list. You know, this is, they're very serious about their work, but they also enjoy it and have a positive spin on it that makes it, fun right and that's the best kind of football team a team that that has found a way to make the hard work fun they wants to work hard as much as they want to win football games so i don't know if that's a final thought for me or a takeaway i don't know what the question would be for you but that's something that really jumped out to me that was kind of my my post-game column is you know this is a team with a lot of talent uh, but they also have 
this love for physicality, this love for the work. You know, I think, I think Jim Harbaugh said they do it with gusto. They look forward to, to playing football every single day. And most teams have that to some degree, but I think there is a different level when it's, when you're talking about the, the mid season Tuesday practice where no one feels a hundred percent, but it, it doesn't feel like this team lets that deter them or, or dampen their spirits. It does feel like a team that, that really wants to work every single day. And, and even when they win, they're not relishing in, in the moment. They kind of are a little bit, but they're already thinking about Michigan state. And you know, when they, when, after they play Michigan state, whatever the result is, they're already going to be thinking about, the next month and the opportunity that they have later on in the season. So that that's something that really jumped out to me. I, I, you know, press conferences are, you don't always get a takeaway or you don't always learn a ton, especially in today's media climate, I suppose. But I came away as sold as I've ever been on, on the culture that Jim Harbaugh's built and the players that, that really embrace his style and his mindset of attacking a football season, not just the 12 games, the off season and the stuff in between as well. Steve, any final thoughts for you from, from Michigan's win? So I don't know when we'll be recording the recruiting podcast, probably Wednesday. Uh, For me, I mean, that I guess I'm thinking like, this has got to start paying off for Michigan on the recruiting trail a little bit. Uh, This was really their first big home game. Could not have been more impressive. Uh, And it, it really is kind of getting to the point where like, if you're an offensive lineman, a tight end, a running back, a D end, maybe even a corner. Michigan should really be getting a strong look from most of the prospects at those positions in the country. I mean, there's really no reason not to consider, you know, just with the production, the usage at those positions, the success that all those positions are having. So my my takeaway from this game is just I'm just kind of curious to see. If, if this really kind of gets things jump started on the recruiting trail, it's been a little, it's been another little bit of a lull, not totally unexpected because of the week home schedule to begin. I mean, it's really hard to have big recruiting weekends against, you know, like Colorado state and, and Hawaii and stuff. So, you know, that's really my kind of takeaway here. Uh, yeah. I agree with Zach on the culture stuff. I think it's, it's, it's clear uh, really has a very, not like just from the just from the 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 way the players talk, the way they kind of is, it has a very NFL feel to it, uh, like a business feel to everything. And I mean that like in a positive way, where it's like, you know, yeah, like these guys are treating it like a job almost. And uh, you know, that's not always that's not a culture, that's not a foundation that's I think is easy to build in today's college football, uh, where everybody seems to be eyes are on the same goal you know, as a team, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, no, really impressive for Michigan. They, yeah, they will be favored by double digits. I assume the next four games, uh, you know, much needed bye week. I think that's what seven games in a row, the bye week, I think comes at the right time for them before Michigan state. And then, yeah, good game. It was, it was interesting talking to Alejandro yesterday on our way back to, from the press conference to the press box, because you know, I was, was kind of thinking about recruiting. I don't, I'm not someone who covers recruiting and I'm you know, certainly let Steve and Sam and Bryce and, and our national team at 24 seven sports do do the heavy lifting on that front. But I was kind of like, 
if if a recruit isn't interested in Michigan right now, what what's the reason? Like what's what's missing? And, and the only things I could think of were playing time and NIL deals. And in my head, I'm kind of like, well, if a recruits choosing based on those two things, because Michigan's developing NFL players, they're winning football games, they're clearly getting guys exposure, uh, you know, nationally making you know, Blake Corum's a national name, JJ McCarthy's a national name, Ronnie Bell is too. A lot of guys in the defense are as well. You know, scouts are watching. The wins are happening. You almost like if someone's not interested in Michigan, Michigan can almost to this point say, okay, fine. You know, like if, if you, if you see all this and you want to go where there's more playing time, where there's more money, I, I, you know, this is just my non like kind of outsider recruiting opinion. I almost think Michigan could let those, let those guys go. I mean, obviously you don't, if you're an assistant, you're recruiting hard, but there is some element of, Boy, if you're still not interested, this just might not. It might just not be the program for you. Yeah, the priorities. I think they, they kind of do that to an extent. I think there's a balance, but yeah, I, I definitely. You know, there are guys that they will. Like, back what more off could of. you really want from a program? Yeah, I agree. other than money and playing time, I guess. And and you know, yeah, it's it's fascinating. You know, you wondered with all the nil stuff. I always kind of wondered if, if, if this, the culture, you see what's like happening with Texas A&M, you know, and, and I don't know if it was just speaking in generalities, but I remember Herb Street saying, you know, they don't really seem like they're all in it together or they're all on the same page. And like, of course, so naturally that's the first thing you think of as well. These are, this is the school where these guys all got these reportedly got these huge NIL deals and stuff, you know? So I just wonder, yeah. I think, yeah, there is a balance. You know, I think Michigan definitely there, there's a type of guy that they prefer, you know, but yeah, it's a balance between finding that type of guy, but you also, yeah, you also have to accumulate legitimate talent too. So, you know, I think it's, this will be the game. I think I wrote this uh, like Monday or Tuesday last week is now I think you're still just a little tidbit here. We'll start to see Michigan more involved with some guys committed elsewhere. Uh, Notre Dame lost again yesterday. Uh, Stanford's first FBS win in, in over a year. At home. It was in South Bend too. Uh, Marcus Freeman's what three and four now as a head coach. Um, Got to think Michigan might be making some phone calls there. Um, you know, other programs I'm sure, but either way. So yeah, I mean, just. God, I think we'll start to maybe – I think recruiting, I guess, is the, what I'm saying here is I think I think recruiting will start to pick up here. Uh, Michigan State will be another huge recruiting weekend. I think they'll use the bye week to go out, see some top guys, work a little bit hard, work harder on getting some of those – some other guys up for that Michigan State game and then um, impressing again heading down the final stretch. Yeah. Michigan's in the fun zone right now. They, they've, they're 19-2 and two in the last two seasons – they went if over a course of 43 years from 1977 to 2020, they had just four starts to the season of seven and zero. Now they've done it two years in a row. And so I, you know, it's, it, it, it's, I'm sure there will be at some point, you know, a loss or a, a tough defeat, but, but not, not for at least two weeks. Right. And, and so Michigan fans, I, I guess I, I try not to tell you guys what to do or what to think, but, uh, maybe don't overthink. I mean, the team's good and they're doing, they looked really good. They beat a top 10 team. 
atmosphere was great. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of what Michigan fans dreamed about when Jim Harbaugh got hired, right? It's, re- it's not just returning to consistently good, but getting to that level of great where you're in the national title conversation year in and year out and, and having fun doing it. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Be sure to check out all of our stuff over at the michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. We got takeaways, grades, columns, articles from the press conference, and obviously we'll have uh, some, some, we'll zoom out a little bit during the bye week with some big picture stuff as well. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. We'll see you next time. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillow. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus.